The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and today we are with Mike Morrow-Fox, a uh, principal at Metcalf & Associates, and Daryl Peterman, the CEO of Abrasive Technologies. Our topic is organizations of the future. Given the volume of change we're seeing now and expecting in the future, what does the successful organization look like, and how do we get there? Daryl runs an exemplary organization, Abrasive Technologies, that's made leaps from traditional organization to an agile or nimble organization. Abrasive is an organization structured to respond quickly to change. Their responsiveness pervades people, the culture, and the processes, like hiring and employee evaluation. Responsiveness is something that they have crafted carefully. And what I would say is, I'm just as an analogy, I'm in, uh, renovating an old home, and one of my takeaways was, as I make one change, then suddenly there are several other changes that need to happen, and painting doesn't fix stuff. Uh, it doesn't fix everything. So, so the reason I say that is, as we are changing our organization, just like updating a, a beautiful but not current home, we need to make systemic changes, and when one thing changes, it can adversely, unexpectedly, impact other parts of the organization. So it's important to pull together the change quickly, understand the, the interconnections, and think about how we implement them in what kind of time frame to ensure that we don't overwhelm people and at the same time that we ensure that the right pieces are in place such that um, people aren't disadvantaged because of the changes we're making, specifically when those disadvantages impact our clients and our bottom line. So what's challenging then is creating a culture that is inclusive and um, helping update people's mindsets as well as their behaviors. So I can certainly drive behavioral change, but when the way I think about the organization has changed, uh, that's a very different uh, set of challenges as a leader. So on the Voice America series, I'm trying to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that will prepare them to lead their organizations in this very dynamic time we're facing uh, to help them be more effective at leading, in, uh, leading their own journey. In addition to these models, what makes this a useful investment of your time for an hour is that you hear something that you're able to implement immediately or shortly. 
And so I call this experimentation. Uh, you'll hear something that either Daryl or Mike talk about that you will want to hopefully tailor to your environment and test it out, pilot it, see if it works or how it works and how you can refine it to be more effective. Uh, what we're finding, especially in leading transformations, is that leadership skills depreciate just like our hard assets depreciate. And so there's a mandate really for leaders to experiment with their leadership so that they stay current, just like we experiment with um, our systems and technology. So I'd like everyone to leave today, hopefully, with a clear understanding of how you might apply some of Daryl and Mike's ideas to your own leadership challenges. So now let's go to Daryl and have him give us a bit of his background, and then we'll talk about some of the challenges we're facing. Sure. Thanks, Maureen. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. This is Daryl Peterman. As Maureen had mentioned, uh, my current role is as uh, CEO and owner of Abrasive Technology. Uh, we're located in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, a little bit about my background. Um, came from uh, tr more traditional roles in consulting and investment banking uh, before finding my way into the manufacturing space. Um, and I think most importantly, that transition occurred because as I looked at uh, the banking industry and even the consulting industry, uh, its internal cultures uh, were not particularly um, strong or focused on uh, their own processes or improving their own processes, and certainly were not focused on um, development of people and individuals as people themselves. Um, and it became frustrating that uh, the organizations that I worked for were extremely successful, extremely well-known in industry and best practices for serving their clients and delivering results, yet, however, uh, seemed to be missing uh, the human side of culture and development and organizational design. And uh, with some growing frustration around those areas, um, I really wanted to move away from the service industry and move into uh, a space where um, where I could have a longer-term relationship with the organization, with the associates within that organization, and really take uh, a longer-term lens uh, at how to develop people and cultures for uh, sustaining growth and development. And Abrasive Technology uh, has been a family-owned business um, and one that um, I'd been familiar with, obviously, growing up. Uh, hearing stories about the organization and the direction that it was going, and really liked the platform that Abrasive Technology was putting forward. And um, came to Abrasive Technology, uh, worked in uh, with a business strategy group, and have worked in various roles throughout the organization, um, not only doing process change, um, organizational design change, cultural change, um, and now uh, holding the primary strategic role in the organization. So that's how I think we came to be here. Um, enough, Maureen, for, for now? Perfect. Thank you, Daryl. So um, if you've been listening to this show as a series, our initial show looked at the amount of changes we're expecting to see between now and 2050 and specifically then how do we lead those changes. So Daryl's talking about how do I lead and change my organization so that it is positioned to continually adapt to the challenges we're facing. So one of the statistics we talked about initially was we expect to see 20,000 times more change in, the, in this uh, 
hundred years than we saw in the last hundred years. So, so to put that into context, a hundred years ago we were just beginning to have cars, and now we have people on in space stations. So, what does twenty thousand times more change than that look like? And one of the things we know is that um, many organizations are not. Uh, position to adapt as quickly as they will need to adapt to be successful long term, and so the the average length of a CEO is shortening, and the average life cycle of a companies. Some companies that we've found very successful in the past are either declaring bankruptcy and reshaping, and in many cases they're going out of business. So I think Daryl's brilliance is what he has been able to implement within Abrasive that is allowing them to um, be agile and nimble now to respond to their challenges and also building into the fabric or the DNA of the organization this change savviness that allows them to not only make the changes and then take a deep breath and go on with the work, but building change capacity in as a core capability for the business so that they are um, monitoring what's on the horizon and continuing to adapt. So, Daryl, can you spend about um, five or ten minutes talking to us about uh, a little bit more of the abrasive story? You talked about coming to abrasive and um, where you came from in consulting and investment banking. What caused you want to make these dramatic changes and uh, kind of a high level, what, what how did you go about it? Sure. Um, thanks, Maureen. I, I, and I'd like to highlight a couple of the key points that I'll come back to throughout the next few minutes that, that, you, were, that you just mentioned. And one of those is, is the pace of change. And it's a, it is a topic that we, talk, that we speak of frequently within our organization with all of our associates uh, around the world. Um, and it really is, for us, the key fundamental difference um, in the world today. And I think we've moved from uh, a macro socio-economy that was originally based in um, tasks, completing tasks and being successful and achieving tasks and completing functions. And generally, whoever had the best product won and could continue to compete and win successfully in, in, in the global marketplace uh, for decades, uh, multiple decades. As Maureen mentioned, with the pace of change being so quick today, there may be an organization that has a great product today and is totally obsolete uh, a year later or less than a year later. And so for us, um, when we talk about core competencies within our organization, starting at the most macro level, uh, as Maureen discussed, we, we do talk about uh, the ability to learn and unlearn and relearn, and we talk about the ability um, to change fundamentally, not only um, in terms of your tasks daily, a person's tasks daily every day, but also who they interact with, how they interact with, um, and being comfortable with the fact that the way it's being done today will likely be modified and improved uh, tomorrow. And those associates will have the opportunity, not only just the opportunity, but will be a part of driving that change as a part of their required tasks and behaviors. So maybe just a little bit of setting and grounding for, for some of the language that we use here 
uh, that'll be helpful uh, as I talk about the organization itself. Um, I think that the desire for this type of organization and the desire for this type of change um, really stems from uh, two places. And the first one is a little bit more altruistic um, in terms of the world that, that I choose to live in and my father wants to live in and the, and the type of organization that, that he dreamed of and, and I carry on that vision. And that's one that believes fundamentally in the human spirit, that people um, and human beings, um, when they are put in environments that allow them to be creative and collaborative and, and feel important and feel like they can create change for something that, that is valuable, um, not only to themselves, but maybe to something greater than that in the world or the universe, um, the human spirit can accomplish amazing things. Um, and so the first is that we, we fundamentally believe, and I fundamentally believe, uh, that people are inherently good. And uh, with that belief, that's an incredibly freeing belief that enables um, people to, uh, enables you to create an organizational design without lots of boundaries and rules and regulations that most larger organizations set up generally to keep, uh, to keep the peace and to keep people in line um, and to know what people are doing all the time. Once you remove that fundamental belief that, that well, once you continue the, the belief that people are inherently good and will do the right thing, um, it really enables your organization to be more creative and innovative. The, the second uh, fundamental belief and where it comes from uh, was really driven from, from our business itself and from our business strategy. Uh, our organization supplies uh, super abrasive diamond grinding wheels and tools to uh, tens of 20, 20s of different types of industries. Um, we have hundreds of thousands of different SKUs. Um, and, for example, we supply product to uh, the aerospace industry, the electronics industry, the oil and gas industry, um, the dental industry, the medical industry, uh, the stone industry, the textile industry. And for an organization, uh, a, a middle market company like ourselves, to be able to supply product to that many different types of markets and industries, uh, we had to have an organizational design that allowed for us to be able to make uh, whatever was required at the, at, for that industry and for our customers in that moment. And if there was an industry that was um, having bear times and another industry that was having bull times, we wanted to have an organization that was able to uh, react to those market demands in the moment dynamically without having to uh, argue about resources or figure out where we're going to put people we wanted to have our organization, our capital equipment, and our people um, able to be cross-trained and ready to serve any market need whenever it was required. And so, um, really, the, the, the need was born out of those two fundamental things. Number one, uh, a belief in the human spirit. And number two, um, in that uh, change was going to be constant, given the number of industries and different types of markets we'd want to enter. Um, and to be able to meet that demand, we had to have an organizational design, uh, a culture and a mindset and a set of behaviors um, and incentives and um, 
programs for individual people and training and development that would create a change-based mindset where change was the norm. Is that helpful, Maureen? Yeah, I think it's really helpful. And what, so what I'd like to do is go to break right now. Um, we're going to come back, and Mike is going to talk a little bit about um, the, the theoretical underpinnings of some of this. And then let's pick a couple of those and walk them through maybe something like um, how you've hired for the right mindset, how you structured your organization, and what are all of the components that fit into that, like performance evaluation that I know you've given a great deal of attention to, and it's in the news right now a lot because of Accenture and other organizations abolishing appraisals. How do you attach pay and make sure if you're appraising people differently, it means that folks with conventional mindsets um, may not choose to work with you, that they're going to want to go someplace that's more conventional. So, so it seems like it has a ripple through um, every aspect of your ability to implement your strategy. Absolutely. I'd be happy to discuss that. Perfect. Thank you. So well, we're going to go to break. This is Maureen Metcalf uh, with Daryl Peterman, and the show is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're looking at the organization of the future. Thank you. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. You 
are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, and welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today we're here with Daryl Peterman and Mike Morrow-Fox, and we're talking about the organization of the future. So we're going to go over to Mike right now and talk a little bit about, um, first give us a brief intro, and then we've been discussing the research that's available that says that we should be running our organizations different going forward than we have in the past. Um, based on um, future trends and all of the things we've talked about. And, and yet we realize that many leaders don't do that. So can you help us understand? Yeah, thank you, Maureen. Uh, um, uh, well, I'll give you the, the five-second view of my background, and that is that I, of course, started out in operations and did uh, technology operations in a hospital system and project management and got involved in organizational development, and I've got a, an MBA in leadership development and uh, finishing up a Ph.D. in uh, um, educational leadership. So I've been very fortunate because I've had a a background uh, that has taken me through um, both the operations side of things. Uh, I also worked uh, on employee engagement at a major nonprofit and now get the opportunity to consult with Metcalf and Associates and get a chance to to, uh, meet with a number of different clients. And it's been neat to, for me to see from the operations side what I was doing right and wrong and then get into the theory side, which we're going to talk a little bit about here, and be able to connect the, the two. So you had asked about uh, uh, that connection, and let me jump into that for a minute. And before I do, let me just say how great it is to have somebody like Daryl on the show to talk about how this is working in the real world and some of the things that they're doing at Abrasive that are so uh, forward-thinking, and that are really putting all this stuff into practice. Because when we look at the future, the future trends, the one trend that we know absolutely certainly will occur is that change will occur at a rate that's 20,000 times greater than we've ever seen it before. And that's been ramping up for the past 50 years. So uh, uh, whatever is going on today can be obsolete literally in nine months from today. Things are changing so significantly and so quickly. And because change is so pervasive, the organization of the future needs to have these three qualities. It needs to be adaptive, it needs to be innovative, and it needs to be engaging for employees. And, and I know immediately your, your guests are, are starting to turn off the radio because they're saying, yeah, I've been hearing that for years. Well, the truth is you may have been hearing that for years, but think about your organization. What are they doing to help you become adaptable, innovative, and engaging? How difficult is it to get new pathways for ideas to flow, for customer service to go? I, I talk with young people all the time, and they're like, you know what, I tried to do something, it didn't work well, I'm not trying again. And what happens, and one of the reasons we really have to applaud Daryl and Abrasive so much is it's really hard to put together these new organizations, these learning organizations. You know, Peter Senge talked about this in the research and his visioning of the learning organization 25 years ago, and yet we're just now starting to see those adaptive, innovative, engaging environments come to fore. 
And the first thing that those environments do that your listener's environment may not be doing is that they think about work differently. I mean, think about this, Maureen. You know, when I talk with young people, I always go back to think about what people are doing in their, their lives other than going to the workplace. I have some friends. I've got one friend who's getting ready to run an ultra marathon. He's going to run 100 miles straight. I've got another one who's getting ready to, uh, to uh, go to Mount Everest base camp. And I've got a third one who is putting in a paver patio in his backyard. When they come home from their work work, they run, they uh, hike, they move bricks. They do all this intense labor. They watch YouTube videos. They get books. They buy equipment. They spend money. They do all this stuff. And if we were to look at a job description for, let's say, someone who was going to run 100 miles, it would be a six-month contract where they would every weekend run between four and seven hours at least once a weekend, where they'd have to run six days a week for an hour or more, where they'd have to buy equipment and travel to a race destination and pay for their travel and pay for their shoes and all the stuff that they do, and they would not call that work. That six-month contract, the job description would look awful. Climbing to Mount Everest Base Camp or putting in a paver patio or running an ultramarathon or even a regular marathon, and yet people don't call it work. And the reason they don't call it work is they are moving with their passion. They are in an environment where they are able to engage and be creative and be... Now, of course, they're very structured. They're putting out a lot of effort. Uh, Nobody runs 100 miles or or climbs Everest Base Camp or puts in a patio who doesn't have a plan and executes that plan. They they are really hardworking individuals, but they don't call it work and they don't get paid because they are intrinsically motivated. And that's one of the things that these newer organizations like Abrasive Technology is doing. They are thinking about work differently, and their organizations are intrinsically motivating their employees. Okay, so um, as we've heard from Daryl and we'll continue to hear from him, Abrasive is, in fact, motivating their employees. You talked about a couple other factors. What else are they doing that is different. Well, and, and uh, so a second thing that they're doing that's different is they're connecting the research to their practice every day. Sometimes they know it and sometimes they don't. So when we take a look at the research that's been out there for a long time, we know that command and control environment don't foster high engagement, high innovation, or adaptability. So when we think about it from the employee side of things, what's it like to be an employee? I've got really interesting, some Gallup research for you that's amazing. And that is that organizations that focus on employees' weaknesses, the managers say, you need to write better. You need to do better spreadsheets. You need to be more attentive. And they develop their employees by focusing on their weaknesses as they go through their, their regular evaluations of employees those employees have less than 50% of their employees engaged, and they have about a quarter of their workforce actively disengaged. Actively disengaged is a bad thing. Those are people that are like, yeah, I come here to get a paycheck, but if this place blew up, I just hope I get seven, (laughs) right? Okay, yeah, not doing anything to help, and in some cases, actually doing things to subvert. Absolutely. 
actively disengaged employees. Nobody in your audience needs a description of them because they've run into them. And similarly, engaged employees, we don't have to talk about them either because everybody's got an image of their head of somebody who's really focused and really, really excited to be at work and excited about what's going on at the company. So on both of those tiers, if I'm focused on somebody's weaknesses, under 50% are engaged, almost a quarter are disengaged. Here's an interesting one. If I've got a management group that ignores the employees and you just don't get a whole lot of feedback, go out, do your work, those companies have 2% of their employees engaged and 40% of their employees disengaged. So at least... So 98% not engaged and 40% actively disengaged. That's correct. Oh, 98, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, 2% engaged is a little bit different. So only 2% engaged and 40% actively disengaged. Here's the kicker, and the kicker is that those companies that focus on employee strengths are 61% engaged and only 1% disengaged. So what they're doing at Abrasive Technologies and other companies like it by focusing on an employee strength is assuring that only 1% of their company is disengaged and over 50% are engaged. Daniel Pink did a lot of research in a wonderful book called Drive that talked about intrinsic motivation. And throughout that research, the types of things that engage employees, aside from focusing on strengths, are really igniting their passions. And that's what we see these workplaces doing. They're connecting the research that's out there with the practice, and they are really fostering those adaptable, innovative, engaging environments for their employees. And it's exciting, and it's difficult, and they really have to be applauded because it means that managers need to have the skill set of not only knowing their business, but also attending to how to let go of what they're doing well enough and how to motivate well enough to keep an engaging environment and, and have that learning environment thrive. So it sounds like the role I take on as manager and leader really changes dramatically in this knowledge environment. So it may have gotten me here, and it may have been really effective, and yet as our organizations are changing going forward, what I need to do needs to change significantly. Yes. And it's exciting and it's difficult, but that's exactly right. And it's neat to hear from great companies like uh, Abrasive and Daryl who have actually gotten it done. Thank you so much, Mike. We're going to go to break now. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and you're listening to guests Mike Morrow-Fox and Daryl Peterman from Abrasive Technology talking about the organization of the future. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf, and we are with Mike Morrow-Fox and Daryl Peterman. Mike has just talked a little bit about um, the the structures of organizations and and ways we might think about them from uh, more of an academic model perspective. Daryl is now going to go in and, uh, again, talk about how Abrasive has specifically implemented some of these changes and how they're interconnected, because I think that's one of the key elements uh, that we um, often overlook is the amount of interconnection between something that may seem like a very simple element and if not um, woven through the the entire tapestry or systems of the organization, uh, something that was incredibly well-intended ends up having a a fairly negative consequence. So if, Daryl, if you can, um, we had talked a little bit about the organization um, element of it, but but whatever you would uh, feel most comfortable talking about, how did you think about it? Um, given what you've said about the pace of change and the idea that um, you believe in the human spirit. So I assume that is very much woven into um, how your organization is structured, how you recruit people, how you reinforce um, their positive behaviors, and also how you address um, the occasional um, underperformer. Sure. Absolutely. And um, I think, Maureen, you make a, a, a great point there about the interconnected nature of uh, any system and, and any culture of people. And maybe just a quick word of, of uh, how I speak about uh, that interconnectedness across our entire organization 
because we discuss how interconnected um, all of the elements of a business are with all of our associates. So they understand not only uh, through, a, through a more macro lens, um, and it helps them feel more connected to the business that they're a part of, why we're doing the things that we're doing, and then also down to um, exactly what role that they play and how important that role is uh, in the success of the entire business. And the model that, that I use, if you imagine a shield uh, with four quadrants in it uh, and then a circle around the outside of that shield, and the top right quadrant is, is a business's business strategy itself. What does it do? Why does it do it? What market niche is it going to uh, be a part of and provide goods and services for? In the bottom right quadrant, that business strategy um, needs to be executed and the organizational design, how, how fundamentally a business is set up to execute that business strategy um, and the more aligned the business strategy is with that particular organizational design. And in our case, it is uh, this process-based structure that enables us to serve multiple markets um, at any time agilely um, is the best model for us. The bottom left quadrant of that shield then would be the culture. And any organizational design is just a system. It's just a way with which processes and functions are set up for that system to have a heartbeat and for it to work and for it to fundamentally perform, it's made up of people. And people drive the way that that organizational design performs. And the way with which a group of people perform together, the beliefs and philosophies and behaviors um, that drive that organizational design that enable the business strategy to succeed are made up of culture. And that's people in the bottom left quadrant of the shield. And then in the top left quadrant, a culture of people, a group of people behaving with common behaviors and attributes um, are made up of individual people. And each of those people need to be trained and developed and uh, we need to be able to find them and, and interview them. And, and most importantly for us, the mantra around people is putting the right people in the right seats. And from there, uh, developing the skills and behaviors uh, required for that person to be successful, not only within the organization, within the culture, within the organizational design, and for life in general. Around the outside of that shield, um, I put an IT uh, information technology type wrapper where um, it's uh, today with the amount of data that can be gathered, uh, we can use data as a way to um, help understand people's behaviors, how they're performing, um, how the organization is performing, and being able to share that data transparently and dynamically in real time all day, every day with our associates enables our associates to have uh, the most information possible for them to be able to collaborate together to be able to make decisions. So well, that's how I think of the, the five main quadrants of putting together an aligned and successful business model. And uh, Maureen, you had uh, asked more directly, um, how do uh, the people portion of this or the top left quadrant of the shield that I just discussed um, fit into this systemic and interconnected uh, business. And I think you're right. We have spent a lot of time uh, understanding people, their motivations, uh, what's required for people to succeed. Most importantly, um, 
when people are engaged and they feel connected to the work that they do, uh, they feel empowered to be able to do that work, they believe that they are being trained and, and developing skill sets, and that the business itself is um, really striving to make the world a better place or connected to a higher purpose rather than just their individual task, uh, we found engagement levels to go up. And those are three areas um, that we focus on coming from some of Daniel Pink's work on motivation. Um, and he discusses autonomy, mastery, and purpose as three key drivers to drive uh, motivation and engagement in associates. And, and we really work with all three of those. In terms of um, people and, and how we uh, put, strive to put people in, in, in the right seats, it's, it really starts with um, understanding every role that you have in your organization. And each role, whether it's sales or a finance role or an information technology role, uh, a manufacturing role, um, each of those roles um, has a different set of behavioral characteristics uh, and values that will likely lead to more success for each individual in that role. Um, and so we have uh, recently gone through each role within our organization around the world and have really been able to boil down um, all of the work that we do into uh, about 35 different types of roles. And for each of those roles, we've created what we call a role profile. That role profile has um, different sections in it. Those sections include a very clear uh, delineation of tasks required to be completed as a part of that role. It has a section on uh, the key metrics that are required for success in that role. It has a section on the skills and proficiencies required to be successful in that role, and a section on um, the key behaviors, uh, the innate behavioral characteristics that are required um, or are beneficial for success in that role. In terms of the, the behaviors that we have on each of those role profiles, there are some behaviors that are more innate um, and are more difficult to train. Those behaviors become uh, sort of non-negotiable in that the person that we are interviewing for the role or is performing in the role, we really expect for that person to be at a higher level on the continuum of those innate behaviors. And then in terms of the behaviors that can be trained and developed and learned, um, as long as the person shows the proclivities to want to develop those skill sets and has the willingness and passion to do so, we believe that we have the commitment and the training capability to be able to train those behaviors that will enable that person to be successful. So, Daryl, let me make a, maybe a question or an observation here. Sure. Uh, we talk about nimble, and yet you've defined a very um, structured approach. And I know some people would say, well, how can I be nimble if I have such a, a comprehensive structure? And sure. I'm wondering if this is that liberating structure that by having um, something clearly defined, it actually gives me freedom to have um, – uh, an ability to be nimble. That's exactly right. And so, um, and again, with the with the mantra of wanting to put the right people in the right seats, 
being able to be more clear about when you're talking with a person that wants to move roles or change roles or develop a new skill set, being able to have something tangible to be able to give that person that says, in general, these set of characteristics are what lead to a successful person in this. Is this interesting for you, and is this a direction that you want to go down? And so what we do is really use um, these materials in a way um, in the middle of a more agile and flexible conversation that informs the decision-making and informs the path choice um, that enables people to continue to be happy in what they're doing. And so inside of uh, any agile decision or moving quickly, being able to have the resources um, and information at your fingertips that can inform that decision to be able to move quickly helps in agility, and we're not using it as uh, a boundary or as you must be these things. They're really tools to be able to inform quick decision-making. So one of the key behaviors might be something like curiosity. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So curiosity is, is a key behavior um, uh, in our values, and our values spell out the word leader. Uh, the L in leader stands for learning. And so one of the key behaviors for uh, everyone in our organization is that you must be willing to learn and that you have a mindset that is set up where uh, bringing in new information, exchanging information um, is um, a non-negotiable core value of ours uh, to come work in, within our organization. Well, that's, that's really helpful to see um, how you use structure specifically to create agility, because in some cases those might seem counterintuitive. Sure. Um, and um, everyone in the world operates from, from a different mindset in terms of how much information is required for them to be able to create change. Uh, the ability to change and be dynamic is much more natural for some folks other than, rather than others. Mm -hmm. Um, and what we want to do is not be a one-size-fits-all organization. And we want to be an organization that if more information is required or uh, more metrics are required for where you are, particularly in your mindset and, and, and what motivates you, our organization wants to also be able to be nimble enough to work with any individual depending on what motivates them. Okay. Um, for example, there are... Uh, People in our organization and, and obviously around the world, I'm sure this will resonate with our audience, where um, learning new skill sets, changing jobs, doing new things, moving companies even um, may be really exciting for them. And we have uh, incentives and metrics set up for those type of people within our organization that, um, that enable them to uh, be continually learning be cross-trained on different skills and tasks, really use their uh, boundary-spanning capability and their ability to want to work with lots of different paths as um, their development path. And the coaches within our organization set up um, a plan for every individual, and that's based not only in task-based growth and development, but also in uh, behavioral development and what types of behaviors and beliefs would you like to develop. And also on top of that, we do do um, life development. If you're interested in 
uh, purchasing a car or learning a new language or taking a trip to Spain or uh, saving for one of your children's college expenses. Uh, we have resources here on staff that help you uh, accomplish your professional life goals or your personal life goals as well as your professional life goals. So that, again, seems um, curious compared to some traditional business models that you actually consider the whole human, um, not just the guy who walks in the door with a set of um, arms and legs and skills. Sure. Um, and um, we are we all are human beings, and um, we believe that when the whole human being is fulfilled and happy, um, that work is one part of that, um, and we want that the work life to be productive and engaging, and, and we believe that if the rest of a person's life is fulfilled and happy and, and growing and developing, uh, that the professional piece of it will, will also develop. Um, the other thing is that we, we all are human beings, and um, for so long, companies uh, espouse this notion of balance or separation even between work, work life and professional or work life and personal life. Uh, I think as we're seeing today is that those things, um, uh, myself included and, and others, and, and I think cer certainly the younger generation, what they're espousing is that are they really separate? I mean, this is my whole life, and, and all of those things impact each other. And if someone's having a tough day personally, at home, no matter what challenge that may be, uh, being able to compartmentalize that completely when you come into a professional environment really isn't possible, and it's not really something that, that we espouse or want to have in our culture. We would like for people to be able to share pieces of who they are, now only where they feel comfortable, but we want to make it a, a safe and welcoming environment that has understanding and compassion for the entire person, uh, not just what you can do for this company and its more traditional profit or bottom line metrics. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about mindsets, and, and this segment is about the organization of the future, and that certainly crystallizes a difference in the mindset of you, the CEO, about how you see um, the precious people who work for you uh, or work with you, however you say that. And it sounds like that pervades every bit of how you run your organization. Uh, absolutely. And so we can talk about some of the other more sort of tangible tactics that we have. Um, uh, in general, if, if someone needs to take uh, time off for any reason, uh, the number one requirement is that they work with their team to ensure that uh, coverage for the customer uh, and for the work that needs to be done is completed. And so... Again, part of the agility of our organization is that uh, when people need to uh, take time off for whatever reason that is, not only, uh, not only can they do it, but we encourage them to do so. I, I, I encourage all of our folks to use all of their vacation and, and take time with their family and friends. Um, and even if that's in the middle of the week um, and somebody wants to uh, be at um, – one of their children's recitals, or even if it's just someone that wants to go to a movie on a Tuesday afternoon because they're not feeling particularly great, you, if you can work with your team to get that covered and you have the time to take off, um, all you have to do is get with your team and then just take the time off and put it on a calendar that you're not available. We don't ask 
for any reasons of why you are not going to be at work. We're not interested in why. We're not interested in playing judge or jury about whether or not it's a good enough reason. We are just interested in you working with your team uh, to ensure that our customer uh, gets the products and services that they need from us. And outside of that, we want you to be able to spend your time in the way that's, that's best for you. So let me jump in here. We're, um, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes, but let's take a couple of minutes to talk about, because I'm assuming some of our listeners are saying that's really nice in theory, but people will take advantage of it. And, and you and I, I know, have talked about the polarities. So if we look at a scale, sure. um, there are some people who would never take off to go to a movie, and there are some people who would um, abuse your kindness and perspective of um, that, that people are thinking the best of people. How do you navigate such that folks don't take advantage of it and, in, in some cases, people who do um, don't get to remain, I'm assuming? Sure, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing about uh, a culture like ours that is um, set up, and it is set up for responsible adults, right, who okay. want to do the right thing and, and um, can... Um, understand what it means to be an accountable and responsible professional. And, yes, there are people that um, try to stretch those boundaries or take advantage of them. The interesting thing that happens is that the people on their team who they work with so closely, um, who are performing and who are working hard and who are enjoying the benefits of uh, a great place to work and an area where people can be developed and provide uh, great things for, for the world, um, those people, it's almost, uh, in its best way, uh, becomes a self-regulating function where the team itself begins to work with the folks that are underperforming. And I'm sure that the audience would agree that uh, when you're in a classroom or you're in a group project setting or you're in a work environment, there are no secrets among the people and among the group around who's doing the work and who's not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the slackers. That, that's right. And... And so the, the first line is that for the team to handle um, those things and um, to, number one, um, identify that there, there, that there is a gap in what the expectation is from the team and, and what the team's goals are and what the team's norms are and have that conversation with that associate. The, the next step would be to provide uh, training and development amongst the team to help that associate develop. And, and it may just be a training issue. It may be mm-hmm. underperforming, maybe a person that didn't understand the right context or didn't hear the right message or uh, leadership or we hadn't done a good job of ensuring the person was prepared for the role. The team can help train and develop and provide some of that context. The next level is to, is to work with the process engineer and or the coach um, on the issue and whether it's a behavioral gap or a performance gap, help that person um, with an uh, improvement plan and tangible action steps to create development and improvement. Um, and there are times where the associate itself, after all of these steps, really just self-selects out and says, you know what, Th- this isn't for me. Right, and, and I'm going to go on, and I'm going to be happier in another place. And and for that, we we wish that associate all the success in the world. And uh, for the person that does take to the help and, and really wants to grow and learn and be a part of this thing, um, they have the resources and the plan. And uh, our first goal is is to grow and develop uh, each of our associates and, and provide 
a path for them to do so. And if at the end of that path, either the associate chooses that it's not the right thing or that uh, we decide that for whatever reason uh, the skill set is not required, first and foremost, we'll look elsewhere in the organization to see if that person's innate characteristics match better in a different role, which has been the case. And sometimes that just says, hey, look, this role isn't who I am, but that one over there, that one, that one I can thrive in. That's the first step. Carol? And the, and the next step is that if it's just not the right thing, then we decide to, to, to part ways and we move on. Perfect. Thank you. I, I, I realize I'm cutting you short and we could take care of this conversation much further. Uh, and the, the information is incredibly valuable, and yet our hour is up. Um, thank you so much for talking about the organization of the future, and I hope we are able to have another one of these conversations and delve further into this topic, especially the thought that our employees do self-govern, and then the question of if they are self-governing, what does that, what role do I take as a leader? So this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You've been listening to Daryl Peterman, the CEO of Abrasive Technologies, and Mike Morrow-Fox, Principal at Metcalf & Associates. I hope that you have found something that you are able to take away as a listener and experiment with in the upcoming weeks. And if you find something that is incredibly interesting and effective to you, please email me at info at metcalf-associates.com, and I'd love to share it in the future with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.